Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. I know you're as thankful for them as I am. If it weren't for our servicemen, women, we wouldn't be able to gather here today. And I do hope that you'll focus on that tomorrow as we celebrate nationally our Memorial Day. This morning, if you will, you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. We're continuing our series according to Luke. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the story of Martha and her sister Mary. In the mid to late 1990s, there was a particular type of artwork that gained some notoriety and popularity. The the, the technical term, the scientific word for these uh, types of artwork is stereograms. I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a stereogram. These works of art are pictures within pictures, if you will. They give a, a three-dimensional representation of a, of a solid object or surface. And when you view these artwork, uh, the, these works of art correctly, the, there's a hidden image uh, in each, uh, in, in, on, on the surface, there's a hidden image behind the image that you see. And it'll appear in 3D, if you will. So here's a couple of examples of a stereogram. The first one that's going to be on the, the, up here is a black and white, I can't see anything, but just black and white lines. Do y'all see anything? You see a cat, thankfully. Whew, I was a little worried. Um, because I, 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 I can't see anything, so I was really thankful there's nothing unsavory. Uh, so if there was something, I was going to ask your forgiveness, but I was told that people could see a cat uh, in, in this stereogram. So here's another one. Okay, now apparently there is a dinosaur in this one. Anybody see a dinosaur? Okay, I have no idea. I just see a mess. <laughs> That's all I see. When I was a kid, I was told in order to see these images within images, I had to get up really close. Do you remember these, by the way? Am I the only one that remembers these? Okay, so I was told that in order to see the image within the image, you had to get really up close to it, almost put your nose to it, and then slowly pull out from it. Or you could kind of look at it from the side, and you might see uh, the background images. One of the great frustrations of my life, one of the great frustrations of my life, I could never see any of them. I never could see anything. I couldn't get my eyes to focus correctly on the images. Y'all are not paying attention to me at all. <laughs> Literally, I'm, I'm up here talking and all of you are looking at the screens. <laughs> None of you are paying attention. Thank you for taking it off, by the way. Thank you. The point of these artworks is to not get lost on the obvious, but to look deeper for the hidden meaning. Some of you see a bunch of black and white lines, but the artist really wants you to see the cat. 
Some of you might be able to see the leaves, but the artist doesn't really want you to see the leaves. He wants you to see the dinosaur. That's the most important thing. Life, for the record, sometimes works like a stereogram. We get lost on the obvious. We lose the forest for the trees, if you will. We get caught up in the the busyness of the world, our schedule, our ball games, our schoolwork, our work work, the grandkids, that many times we miss out on what God is trying to reveal to us. And sometimes it's more important to remove the clutter so that we can see Christ in our everyday. One of the greatest problems that believers have is that their lives are out of focus They're doing great work for Jesus. They're doing great work, kingdom work, in fact, but they miss Christ. Answer this question for me this morning. Is your life out of focus? Is your life out of focus? The background or the context of today's scripture is this. Jesus is continuing his march towards Jerusalem. And even though the scripture in Luke does not tell us that Jesus Christ is in Bethany, we discover this because this story is recorded in other gospel narratives. We know that Jesus was in Bethany. And it was a tradition of the day that when a guest came to a home, that the home would open itself up that a meal would be served and that hospitality would be given. The guest took priority over everything, over everything. The guest took priority. You have to remember that in a day where there were no reservations, there were no call-aheads, there was no appointments, there were no apps on a cell phone. You can imagine how frustrating it would be when somebody would just show up at your house. You may be in the middle of doing a lot of different things, but if someone showed up at your house, all of those things became secondary, and now the person standing at your door was now the primary focus of your day. You can imagine that Martha, Martha was probably doing something really important when Jesus showed up, when he arrived. And we see in the story that she gets frustrated and troubled by the visit and she begins to hurriedly make preparation for Jesus. And by the way, we can assume here that Jesus was not traveling alone, that they probably had his disciples with him. And when Jesus comes to Bethany, Martha demonstrates hospitality to Christ by welcoming Jesus into her home and to be with her and her sister Mary. And of course, Martha busies herself with the task of serving her guests And although we're not told precisely what those tasks are, a good guess is that she would prepare a meal. I mean, that's what most of us would do, and things haven't changed that much. If a guest shows up at your house, you're probably going to offer them food. You're going to offer them something to drink. That's what most normal people would do. That's what normal people did back in those days as well. And meanwhile, meanwhile, while Martha is working, what's Mary doing? Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. Rather than uh, assuming the role of the rest of the women of the culture, she takes her place at the feet of Jesus. She assumes the posture of a, of a student learning at the feet of a rabbi, learning at the feet of a, a teacher. By the way, that's a role that was traditionally held only for men. Only for men. Men were only allowed to sit at the feet of a rabbi. 
It was a job of the men to receive the teaching of the rabbi and then take that teaching home and then impart that to their wives and to their children. But Mary breaks from tradition and she sits at Jesus' feet just with, like the rest of the guys. And so Martha becomes infuriated while she's trying to be hospitable. Mary's off lazing around, listening to Christ out of context of where she should be. And that's where our story takes off today. So this morning we're going to read from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. If you want to, you can read along with me. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Verse 38 says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Again, that village we know is Bethany. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? By the way, go back to verse 40 and underline the word distracted. She became distracted with much serving. She became distracted. Tell her to help me. Imagine she takes a stern voice with Jesus. By the way, don't take a stern voice with Jesus. That's probably not a good thing to do. Not wise. But verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things. By the way, husbands, again, Jesus is able to say things that we as husbands can't. When your wives come to you and they are troubled with many things, don't, don't go to them and say, Angela, Angela, you are troubled with many things. Don't do that, Marvin. Don't do that, brother. Now, not wise, not wise. But Jesus says this, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. What a phenomenal story. There are some really great lessons that we can learn here. Roman number one, fill this in. We see Jesus's intensity. Jesus's intensity. Letter A and B, you can fill in these blanks if you will. Jesus was intensely pointed. He was a very pointed person, but he was also an intensely personal person. He was pointed and personal. Jesus was a man on a mission. He was consistently seeking out new opportunities to teach and to preach and to be with people, to engage people. And there's a couple things I want you to remember about this story, in particular about Jesus. Jesus was a pointed person. He had direction in his life. Jesus knew exactly where he was going to be. He was a man driven by purpose. I love the fact that even when he stops and heals, that he continues to keep his eyes on Jerusalem. He never is dissuaded by anything else. Even when his disciples try to deter him from going to where he knows he's supposed to go, Jesus keeps his eyes fixed on where he is trying to be. Friends, do you know your purpose? Do you know your purpose in life? Jesus knew his purpose. Where do we discover our purpose, our meaning for life? Jesus came to teach, to preach, and eventually die for all the sin of mankind. And gratefully, God has not called us, at least not today, to die for the sins of others. However, he has called us to do the same types of things that Jesus was doing back in those days. Namely, to teach his word to preach the good news, to bring healing to the masses, 
to spread the gospel, Jesus himself gives this direction to his disciples, that being his closest disciples, but also to us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Listen to the last words of Christ. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, commanded to you. And surely, and surely I'm always with you, even to the end of the age. Jesus had a mission in life, and it should be our mission today. We ought to be doing the same thing. He was a pointed person, a focused person. Those things are for sure. But Jesus was also a deeply personal person. I love the fact that though Jesus was heading to Jerusalem, he stopped in the small places of the Middle East. He didn't just go to the big towns. There was nothing very special about Bethany just everyday people living everyday lives. There was no royalty in Bethany. There was no nobility in Bethany. Yet Jesus makes Bethany a very special place. If you remember, Mary and Martha were siblings of Lazarus. Do you remember the story of Lazarus? Probably, if not the most profound miracle of Jesus' earthly existence, save his own resurrection, is the resurrection of Lazarus, Martha and Mary's brother. And Jesus didn't go to the temple. He didn't go to a wealthy nobleman's home. He goes back to Mary and Martha's home in Bethany, a family that he loves and cares for a great deal. I love the fact that not only does he know Martha's name, but he also knows Mary's name. He knows this family personally. He's connected to him. It's one of the great comforting facts to me that if Jesus will go to the small towns and visit with the small people that he'll come to my small town and visit with me because I'm pretty small. And that if Jesus knows Martha's name, if he knows Mary's name, if he'll bring great things into their family, then guess what? He probably knows my name as well. And he can bring great things into my family. It means he knows your name as well. Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. He loves you. If Jesus will go to Mary and Martha's home, that'll come into your heart. If Jesus knows Mary and Martha's name, he knows your name as well. Remember that Mary and Martha are literally living out Revelation 3.20. Jesus is knocking at their door. He is literally knocking at their door. And what did they do? They opened it. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Jesus knocked on their door and Martha opened it. Martha gets a bad rap here. She really does. But she heard Jesus knock and she opened the door and let him in. Isn't that the kind of picture, by the way, of, of most believers these days? I, I mean, how many of us really do have it all figured out when we know Jesus Christ? Uh, some of you have been walking with Christ for a really long time. And guess what? You still don't have it figured out. Uh, Martha let Jesus into her home, but guess what? Martha's still not perfect. Martha's still got work. Jesus still has work to do on her. And isn't it great that even when Jesus rebukes Martha, you hear a kindness in his voice, a tenderness in his demeanor. He doesn't just throw Martha away, and he won't throw you away either. Oh, friend, Jesus is standing at your door, and he's knocking as well. Look at Revelation 3.20, the, the words of Christ. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door. Jesus is standing at your door as well. And look at Roman numeral two. We see Martha's 
difficulty. We have Jesus' intensity, but we also have Martha's difficulty. In verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, I did not, I did not know. Or, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Exasperated tone. I've heard that tone before in my own home, I promise you. This past week, my goodness, this past week I was super sick. I mean, I was sick as a dog. I thought I was dying. I truly did. I actually looked at my wife and said, honey, I think I'm dying. And she said, no, you're not. You're being a baby. She's so, <laughs> she's so caring. What's really funny, that is an absolute true story. It's a true story. I was so sick. And it's been a long time since I had felt that bad. I had high fevers. I had chills. I had sweats. I mean, you know the, the drill. And during the week, I, I went to not one doctor, but two doctors. And I was reminded as to how busy doctors are. Did y'all know doctors are a busy bunch, man? They are a busy bunch. And it reminded me of a story. There was a fellow who walked into a doctor's office. And the receptionist asked him what he had. And he said, shingles. And so she took, him, took down his name and took his address and his medical insurance number had told him to have a seat out in the, the office uh, waiting area. And about 15 minutes later, a nurse's aide came out and asked him what he had. And he said, I, I've got shingles. And so she took down his height, his weight, a complete medical history, and told him to, to wait in the, uh, in the examining room. About a half hour later, a nurse came in and asked him uh, what he had. And he said, shingles. And so she gave him a blood test, checked his blood pressure, and gave him an electrocardiogram, and she told him to take off all of his clothes and tell him to, to wait for the doctor. And about an hour later, the doctor came in and asked him what he had, and he says, well, Doc, I've, I've got shingles. And the doctor said, where? And he said, outside in the truck. Where do you want them? <laughs> it's a good one, right? You know, sometimes... Sometimes it's good to slow down and ask some questions. It's good to slow down and, and ask the right questions. That's when you get to the real heart of the story. And so Martha had welcomed Jesus into her home. And this is the same Jesus that had raised her brother from the dead. And can you imagine when the man who raised your brother from the dead shows back up at your house? You're going uh, to feel some pressure, to show, a, <clears throat> excuse me, an adequate amount of appreciation for what Jesus had done for her family. And certainly the town was probably buzzing. Can you imagine the town, this guy who had come into your small village and raised this man who'd been dead for four days? I mean, chances are when Jesus showed up, it was like a rock star coming back home. It was a big deal. And Jesus doesn't just go to City Hall. No, 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 he comes to my house. So not only was not only was Martha feeling the pressure of saying thank you to Jesus, but now she's feeling the pressure of her whole life being in a fishbowl and everybody looking at her. We know that Martha was caught off guard by Jesus' visit. There's no signs internally or scripturally that Jesus had let people know that he was arriving or that he was coming or, or that he even sent someone ahead of him. He just shows up. By the way, Jesus shows up a lot. Jesus is never late. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Jesus is always on time. Now, sometimes we think he's late, but he's always on time. Always. 
So he shows up right on time, even though Martha didn't know it. And because Jesus shows up on time, even though Martha didn't know it, she's behind on all of her preparations. And inside, I'm sure outwardly, she was very excited to see Jesus, this man who had raised her brother from the dead. But inside, there was a problem, which we do a lot of. We signal on the outside that everything's okay, but on the inside, we've got a real issue. See, on the outside, everybody else saw Martha serving. On the outside, everyone saw Martha doing her job, wearing the role, having the mask on, that everything's good. Jesus is in my house. But on the inside, there was a problem. And Jesus could see, even though outwardly he was in her home, even though outwardly she had all the trappings of, of something spiritual taking place, inwardly Jesus knew that there was a problem in Martha's spirit. Martha was fuming mad. She was hot under the collar. She was upset. All these guests, a, a great deal of cooking, setting the table where her guests would be seated. This was way too much for one woman to do. And she knew dinner was going to be late if she couldn't get help. But where is her lazy sister, Mary? She's sitting outside with the men rather than inside doing the work that needs to be done. It's very irresponsible of Mary. I can't even understand why she thinks she can be out there when there's so much work to be done to get ready for dinner. A woman's place isn't sitting around out there when there's work to be done in here. These are the thoughts that were probably rattling around in Martha's mind. The word translate, or excuse me, the, the word translated for distracted is this Greek word perispeo. It means to be dragged away. So when we hear that Martha was distracted, it means that she was literally dragged away. It means to become distracted or busy or overburdened. How many of you have ever felt like that by stress? Stress will do that to you. It will drag you down. It will burden you. The verb that's being used is the imperfect tense, indicating a continued action that has been done in the past. The distraction that Martha has been feeling, this is not a one-time event in Martha's life. This is something that occurs daily, meaning that this frustration with Mary didn't happen today. It's been building up over time. So you have this idea that Mary is, is totally fixated, only concerned with Jesus, that she's not doing some of the household chores because she's got her mind so fixed on Christ. And here you have uh, Martha who says, listen, this stuff has to be done. I've got to do this. I can't spend all my time with Jesus. She's been dragged down. Martha was busy. She was burdened. She was burned out. And although what Martha was doing was not wrong, her focus on those things and not on Jesus was her biggest problem. She was caught up in entertaining Jesus instead of engaging with Jesus. And this happens to us all the time. Many people get so caught up in doing church that they completely forget about Christ. Church has become more entertainment-driven than engaging with the Lord. 
fixing things and making sure things are okay, cooking. None of those things are bad. But when we do those things instead of being with Christ, we leave out our relationship with him. We have to seek him first and everything else will be eventually added on. That is what Mary did and that is where Martha failed. In Matthew 6.33, we see, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first those things. Roman numeral three, we have our last point, which is Mary's intimacy. We have Jesus's intensity. We have Martha's difficulty. And then we have Mary's intimacy. Mary was intimate with Jesus. In Luke 10, verses 39 and 42, listen to what happens. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And Jesus says there's one thing that is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. By the way, it was very abnormal for a woman to sit in the ancient world at the feet of a rabbi. And when I say it was abnormal, I, what I really mean to say is it never happened. Never. Never. This is why Martha is upset with Mary. She was not only helping her, not only, excuse me, she was only, not only helping her with the preparations, but she was also breaking with the tradition of the day. Rabbinical teaching was reserved for men, only men. And again, they'd take that teaching home to their wives and to their children. And yet Jesus never really cared much for the man-made traditions of the day. He cared first and foremost about the people of the day. While Martha labored, Mary listened. While Martha worked, Mary witnessed Jesus in action. Mary did what was right and Martha chose wrongly. In some cases, you can take today's story and it, and it correlates a great deal with what takes place in Genesis chapter 4, which is Cain and Abel. Again, very striking similarities. You have siblings, Mary and Martha, Cain and Abel. You've got acts of worship. You have Cain that has a, a, a sacrifice, an offering. Abel that has a sacrifice of offering. You've got Martha who's offering worship through service. You've got Mary whose offering uh, is listening, engaging, being with Christ. You've got siblings that have offerings and one was accepted while another one was rejected. If you remember, Abel has an offering, it's a burnt offering, and yet uh, Cain brings offerings from the fields, and yet it's not so much the offerings, but the intent and the motivation behind the offerings that God says yes to or no to. It's the same thing here. Now clearly, does Jesus want you to serve? Does he want me to serve? The answer is, of course, yes. Yes. I would be thrilled if everybody in the pews said, you know what, Stuart, I'm going to be here, man. I'm ready. I'm going to jump in. Whatever's going on, man, I'm going to choose to serve. Of course that's what Jesus wants. But you can see the attitude behind one and the attitude behind the other. And so we have sort of a modern day Cain and Abel. Now, thankfully, Martha didn't kill Mary, <laughs> Although in here, you kind of have the same sense. If you remember, Cain spoke very defiantly to the Lord. 
much in the same way that Martha speaks very defiantly to Jesus. And yet, there is a difference in the attitude here, isn't there? While God preserves Cain's life, Jesus preserves Mary's life in a very different way. Oh, Mary, or excuse me, Martha. He, he preserves Martha's view in a very different way. Martha, Martha, don't you hear there's a kindness, there's a tenderness. Martha, let me show you that I love you. Let me redirect your path. Let me reroute your life so that you can understand what's really important. Mary wanted to hear from Jesus directly. Mary was not going to settle for hearing from Jesus from someone else. She wanted to sit at the feet of Christ. She wanted to recognize Jesus for who he said he was. The act of being at a person's feet in the gospel had really some special significance. In many instances, a person falls at Jesus' feet. I challenge you, go throughout the gospels and look at all the different people who fall at the feet of Jesus. It is happening all the time. In Luke chapter 17, verse 16, the leper falls at Jesus' feet in gratitude as Jesus heals him. The, do you remember the, de, uh, the demoniac uh, as legion? He falls at Jesus' feet for begging for mercy. And later he's sitting at Jesus' feet when, he, when he's clothed. In many instances, we encounter Mary of Bethany and we find her at the feet of Jesus, not only here in Luke 10, but also in John 11. And there she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And immediately what? She falls at his feet, even though she doesn't confess the same hope as Martha. And later in John 12, we find Mary again at Jesus' feet, this time anointing his feet with her hair. Mary spent a lot of time at Jesus' feet. Being at Jesus' feet, it represents an act of worship and giving him the same honor reserved for God. It's an open acknowledgement that a person recognizes who Jesus is and that there's something special about him. Mary chose right by being at Christ's feet. Sit, listen, worship these are the things that Jesus finds as acceptable worship for him. And of course, those things, when we do that, our motivation for service will come forward. Friends, everything else will fall into line if we sit at Christ's feet. Serving Christ should be fueled by our relationship with him. If we're serving out of duty, then eventually we're going to get burned out. If we're serving because it's just a thing we're supposed to do, eventually we're going to get burned out just like Martha. What about you? What about me? Are we missing the point? Are, are we the Martha or are we the Mary in this story? I think chances are you've been both. I've been both. Are you working or are you witnessing today? Let me encourage you to be merry. Sit at Christ's feet today. Trust in him. I promise when you do those things, your life will be fueled with joy as Mary's was. In Psalm 95, verse 6, it says these words by the psalmist, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Oh, I pray that this morning you'll turn this information into action. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we come before you today thanking you for the example of Martha. Lord, Martha doesn't get enough credit in this story. She heard you knock on the door of her house and she let you in. 
And Lord, I firmly believe that after she opened the door to her home, that Lord, this encounter allowed her to open the door to her heart to Christ. Lord, thank you for Mary's example. Sometimes we get so busy doing so many different things that we forget who we're even doing it for. Lord, we've had the wrong motivation time and time again. Lord, maybe we've just not been thinking correctly or maybe we think that we want to be applauded or thanked or, or whatever it is. But Lord, none of this, none of this service really is about me or, or them, about us. It's really ultimately about you. Help us to keep our relationship solely fixed and focused on you. Lord, help our lives not get out of focus. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, we pray these things today in your name. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you for being here this morning. I do want you to remember to continue to pray for our choir tour again. We've got about... Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast. And we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube. And at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.